Hello and welcome to Switzer TV Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. Now we go out on our own YouTube channel. We go out on Mondays. So just go to Switzer Financial Group YouTube and you'll find us. Become a subscriber and also press the like button as well. Well, for years I've been sharing insights about the stock market, the property market, the economy and politics. But now I want to know what you think. The Switzer Fear, Greed and Hope survey will gauge how you are feeling about stocks, property and economic issues on a quarterly basis. This is your chance to share your opinions along with your hopes and fears for the future. Now, the survey only takes two minutes to fill in, plus we'll be giving away a signed copy of my book, Join the Rich Club, to 10 people who complete it before midnight on Sunday. Head to switzer.com.au survey or click on the link in the description to fill in the survey now and enter the draw. On tonight's show, we look at reporting season so far and ask, are the stellar performers worth buying now? If not, what do we buy for 2020? Or should we reduce our exposure to stocks generally? Joining me is Michael McCarthy from CNC Markets, Julia Lee, of course, from Berman Invest, and they will give us their latest great ideas as they always do. Now, Paul Rickard will tell us if CSL is still a buy, despite its great performance and the rocketing up of the share price, or do we wait for a dip? And then Michael Blake from Centuria looks at an investment product called an insurance bond, and this can be used for people who want to put money aside for children for education purposes. You can even use it for putting away money so you don't have to give it to some family members that you don't like. You actually can earmark the ones you do like and you can make sure the money goes to them over time. It's quite tax effective. It's a really interesting idea. It's also good for people who have topped out their superannuation and are looking at other places where they can put their money. That's the show for tonight. Without any further ado, let's go to Michael McCarthy and Julia Lee. All right, guys, thanks for joining us. Pleasure. Yeah, we're in the reporting season. Are you both excited? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Exhausted, like I think. Like it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's just start off by saying what you've been impressed by and what you haven't been impressed by. Is that a fair way to start? Sure. I mean, some of the stocks have been reaching record highs. And I guess the important thing about a reporting season is some of these companies are quite expensive. So you need yeah. to see that earnings growth to back up that upgrade cycle. So some of the stocks where we've seen that are stocks like Credit Corp, which I like, mm. um, Magellan, as well as ResMed, which have been strong performers. Um, and there's been some surprises as well, especially from the housing space. It does seem to be signs of some recovery. Mm. Um, JB Hi-Fi is a retailer that's done uh, done very well um, and we've seen some signs of life in terms of some of those housing type stocks as well. Mm. So Adelaide Brighton copied it, didn't they? Why Adelaide Brighton? Adelaide Brighton hasn't reported as yet. Mm. Um, but they've been copied ahead of the... Yeah, I think we will see a, a, a weak result. So mm. I think with Adelaide Brighton there's what they're reporting on that has passed and what's mm. looking into the future and I guess what we are starting to see is an improvement in terms of building approvals, home loans, the housing market looks mm. like it's bottom. But the last half was still a difficult one, and that's um, apparent from some of the commentary that's come mm -hmm. through from the likes of Boral as well as REA Group. Um, but it does look like a quarter.
corner has turned. So if we do see a weak result this time round, I think it could be a buying opportunity it's there. A buy, you're ask that question, yeah. Well, the Barrow family has a 42% stake in mm. that particular business, and it is a cyclical business. Look, I think Adelaide Brighton, it's a bit more of a difficult business compared to CSR. CSR has already started running mm. on the back of uh, hopes around that recovery, gaining traction. Um, but uh, Adelaide Brighton, I think, reports on the 28th of February. Mm. Michael. One of the key things so far, Pat, has been the outperformance of property stocks. Mm. We saw it again today with National Storage, and, and these are a very diverse group of property yeah. stocks, but National Storage, GPT, Goodman Group, mm. all shot the lights out and, and had a massive unit price appreciations. And we're kind of expecting the, the, the REITs and the property um, businesses to suffer, didn't we? We've been concerned about them for a while, the potential for rising costs, the potential for rising rates. None of that's come to fruition, mm. judging from the results. To be fair, developers like Mervac have struggled a bit more. They're much more exposed to the housing market and there's not a lot in the pipeline there. Yeah. But, but others have done very well. That's one of the key things. The other one I like to see is those bounce back stocks. We highlighted Challenger on this show mm. you, when it was around $6.80, post the result and a big turnaround. <laughs> They're cheering out there. <laughs> Can you tell that to the people at home, please? <laughs> at at my home? <laughs> yeah, we've a couple well, of they remember the ones you, you, you didn't get right, but that's, that's quite rare, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I get reminded of them a lot more often, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, I did a story today where I looked at the, the top 10 stocks out of the last year, and the performance has been unbelievable when you think about it. CBA up 35%, right? I'm putting capital gain, dividends, and a little bit of franking in there. Mm. Right? C, uh, CSL, 48%, BHP, 18 Rio, 22%. Even Westpac, 14% after all, all its challenges. NAB, 20%. ANZ, 16 Macquarie, 30%. Woolworths, 50%. None of us tipped that, <laughs> did we? And West Farmers, 40%. So these are companies that probably explain why the index is doing so well. They carry so much weight. But where do we go for the rest of the year? instead of these companies, or can these companies do it again? <laughs> well, first of all, the top 10 companies that you've highlighted, there's a huge weighting towards financial stocks. I mean, more than 50% of mm -hmm. that list is uh, financial stocks. You've got all of the big four banks, plus Macquarie in there. Yeah. So the large cap stocks have generally, uh, I guess, um, done quite well. I think the average of that list uh, of 10 stocks over the last year is, is about 23%. Yeah. Um, but it is a big weighting towards the financials. And yeah. I would prefer to just stock pick in terms of the financials. Yeah. CBA has already shot the lights out. I'd probably go for ones uh, that were looking a little bit cheaper. And Westpac is probably the runt of the pack at the moment. Mm. Um, and Commonwealth Bank, remember, paid its fines and got through a lot of the costs of compliance yeah. earlier on. Yeah. And some of the banks are yet to do that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And the CEOs had a much better run than the, the CEOs who was compared to. I think he's doing a great job. I, one of the things I noticed with Commonwealth Bank is that I've, I've got one of my business uh, accounts with them and mm. I was going to switch it to NAB because NAB has a $0 transaction account for business accounts, whereas CBA, it's $10, it was $10 a month, but now it's $0. You just have to switch the options. So um, they're obviously yeah, yeah. a growth area going after NAB's specialty, which is business banking. Yeah. Traders are cynical of Peter, but the way they describe the bank business model here is that CEO is plus or minus 1% to the bottom line. Mm. The reality is these are massive money-making machines. They will run despite 
whoever is in the CEO's chair, and it can be a hot seat or it can be the easiest ride in corporate Australia. <laughs> Depends on a lot of external factors over which CEOs have no control. So it's it's the 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 setup, the oligopoly that really makes the money here, Peter, mm. and their control over the Australian banking system, the Australian payment system, the Australian lending. Uh, that's what delivers really. Mm. And, and CEOs do make some difference, but it's really about much bigger organisation. And I think that's one of the factors that's lifted all ten of these stocks. They're big index weights, and when we get passive investing, buying of ETFs in particular, mm. or we get overseas investment, mm. and for example, with the Australian dollar at 10-year lows, Australian shares are looking pretty attractive to overseas mm. buyers. They're not going to sort through the top 200 companies and pick their 60 favourites. Yeah. They just buy the index. Yeah. Now, if they put a billion dollars into Australia, that means uh, 80 million goes straight into CBA, 80 million goes straight into CSL, because they're both 8% of the index itself. Mm. So that's one of the factors. Another key factor is the dividends many of these stocks pay. Yeah. A lot of investors. The exchange rate um, addition to it, those dividends are even more valuable to a foreign. I don't know how many retired investors have said to me, Michael, why would I put my money in CBA at half a percent when I can buy their shares and get a 7% dividend return? Mm. We talk about the capital risk, it's a real thing when you buy shares, but a lot of investors are prepared to take that. So these are factors that are external to those top yeah. 10 companies and one of the key reasons why they've lifted. And one of the reasons to think that unless we see a big change in the current investing environment, they'll continue to get support. Yeah. It seems to me then we should be looking in the, the, the 50 to 100 type group because they haven't done all that well uh, lately. Do you guys have companies in that sort of space that you really like, or, or are you going beyond the top 100? Uh, I look at the top 200, yeah. um, so that does include some of the, of the smaller stocks in there as well. Mm. But generally, reporting season is um, important because it gives us a light into which of those companies are continuously in upgrade cycles or continuing on downgrade cycles or seeing an inflection point mm. and turning a corner. So um, I think that's quite exciting to me. And one of the things I'm watching very closely, because I do like inflection points, is that housing space and the stabilisation we've mm. seen in that space. Okay, so no a stock that you like so far as a consequence of reporting season because people are there with their pens ready for the Julia and Michael <laughs> Well I was already holding Credit Corp yeah. um, but I've added to that mm. um, and ResMed as well I've added to that position as well so when I see strong results and a continuation of um, a company I like, um, well, then I'm happy to continue to build positions in Michael? There. Well, I'm on record with groups like Costa, but a couple I've been looking at lately, Beach Petroleum. Yeah. Now, it's sold down from around $2.90 to currently sitting around $2.10. Uh, remember that this stock has been subject to a number of takeover bids over the last 18 months uh, and they're sitting at this stage uh, below that $2 level. But that gives me some comfort that were this company to fall further, we've got real opportunity there for merger and acquisition activity and that means there's upside. The oil price has moderated a lot from $61 a barrel for West Texas down to $52 today. Uh, so it's taken, a lot, I think, a lot of the risk and that big fall in Beach's share price I don't think reflects uh, adequately the turnaround that we've seen in this company's operations overall. So mm -hmm. it's one it's one that's square on my radar at the moment. But uh, as, as I mentioned last week, Peter, I'm still holding put options. I did sell out a, a lot of the top 10. I sold CBA at $84. 
the song. <laughs> BHP at 41.50, not looking too bad there. Uh, I cleaned out a lot of those top stocks for that reason. I wanted to reduce my overall exposure to the market, but keep those opportunities in the 50 to 100. It's interesting because um, I sold out of Beach a month ago. Um, so Ooh, at 290? <laughs> uh, a little bit less than that, right. but mainly because of the coronavirus hit and the concerns right. around what would happen in terms of, of China demand. So I try to lessen the impact um, over the One last so question, like guys, beach. before you go, I should just want to pull Rickon as well, CSL. Is the buy at this level or do we wait for a dip? Paul suggests that there might not be a dip. <laughs> well, you know, anyone who's waited for a dip has probably waited around for a long time. And I think one of the things that CSL has done extremely well is been ahead of the curve in terms of um, the blood collection centres. Um, and blood, blood uh, has been a huge growth area. So it's done very well. And look, I think that tailwind will, will stay with it over the next couple of years. Valuations here are very high, which means that if they do a step out of line or away from market expectations, you know, there could be a, a big punishment. But at the moment, you know, demand is strong and they're still riding that wave and that investment they made a few years ago in the, those blood collection centres and being early in terms of uh, getting ahead of the curve in terms of the demand that was to come. I only bought this one once. I said sell at $66, in your face, McCarthy. <laughs> up, to, up to 128 When it dipped back to 93 thankfully I got in sold out at 180. Yeah. So I'm not holding them, Peter, and, and this stock has hurt me a number of ways, so take that into account. But I find it really hard to buy at the moment. I talked about the one-year PE uh, last week. This week I cut the numbers on the two-year PE. The two-decade average for that two-year PE is 21. It's currently trading at 36. Mm. I can't buy it here, Peter. Okay. As wrong as I've been. <laughs> That's Michael McCarthy from CMC Markets and Julia Lee from Berman Invest. Well, it's reporting season, and the guy who looks at reporting season as though it's actually interesting is Paul Rickard, and that's why I have him here. Paul, how are you? Well, it should be interesting if you're a shareholder, Peter. Yeah, uh, hopefully you're thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> well, so far, so good for the companies I like, um, but... Goldman Sachs said it wasn't impressed with reporting season so far. Look, the, the bigger companies are doing better, um, and the, a lot of the we have, look, we're only a little way through, but I think it's it's hard to, to find too many companies that are really overwhelming on the upside. Mm. But the, the two big ones from last week, both uh, CS Hill and uh, CBA, they did really well. And uh, I've always said this reporting season is almost a tale of two halves. It's about the I would describe as the big four in, in reporting season stakes, mm. CBA and CSL, and in the back end of the season, uh, companies like, um, I think, uh, Afterpay, eight, Afterpay is, is, is really critical. I also want to see what Woolworths is doing because it's sort of priced to perfection. Cool. So um, I'm labelling that those are sort of the, the two extremes mm. of reporting season. Yeah, but you know, Afterpay is a, like a new company. Why do you put new uh, afterpay in that sort of Well, I, th I, think there are, I think there are three sort of major market trends occurring, apart from obviously the up and down of the market. Mm. One is the, the, the companies with top, genuine top line growth are getting more expensive. And in mm. that category, I put companies like CSL, put companies like Xero. Xero's not reporting at this point mm. in time. But afterpay is probably the closest we've got to it in the tech sector. So Real growth know, stock. people want to see growth. They want us to be, see growth, particularly how it's doing in the USA. So it needs to continue to show that growth. I think those stocks are going to get more expensive. Mm. Some of the, the second theme is some of the expensive defensives, the stocks like Woolworths, 
Uh, your stocks like um, your Coles, West for example. Farmers. Uh, maybe not West Farmers, but the Transurbans. They are getting more expensive all the time because the, the yield although and property trust, although low, is still a lot better than cash to cash and term deposits. So I think that's happening as well. And then the third sub-trend is I think the bigger stocks are doing better than the smaller stocks. So um, we've sort of seen that so far in reporting season. All right, so let's look at CSL, for example. You made the point, it reported really well. People keep asking me, is it too late to buy CSL? I say, um, I say I'd rather buy on a dip, but the question is, will there be a dip for this particular stock? Well, look, I, I'm a, I, I like to buy the dip strategy, Peter, but I'm going to be a little bit ballsy in that if I can use that word <laughs> on, 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 uh, okay. on this program. I think that if you haven't got CSL, it's, you can't ignore CSL. It's very hard to ignore CSL. Market weight's close to 8%. It will be the biggest stop by market capitalisation in our market. So mm. you've got to have a position in CSL. So if you have no CSL, okay, I think you've got two choices. To continue to have no position, in other words, just run the risk, or I think you need to get on board the train because whereas I love to say wait for the dip, mm. I think the whole market is waiting for the dip. And what we've seen is when the market has pulled back a little bit in the last month or two, CSL hasn't. And I, I'm just worried okay. that uh, I think there's been so much institutional buying, all the institutions now have to own it. Even the defensive funds have got to have a position in CSL. It's too mm. big to ignore. Too much, uh, too much tracking risk if they have no CSL. Mm. And they're not, these guys really aren't those that into risk taking, Peter, mm. not their careers. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I, I think that, you know, I think you've got to get on board the CSL train. Doesn't mean you go fully weight it now, but uh, if I had none, I think even at $330, I'd get on board. And then I'd be able to sit back and be a little more um, circumspect about when mm. I buy next. But, I, I, uh, I think someone actually sold about 330,000 CSL shares today, Paul. A really big payday for that person, but we'll, we'll wait and see that person. Well, you know, I've been on the CSL bandwagon yeah. for a long, long time. So yeah. um, I can say that with. As, you, as an owner who doesn't need to buy, but yeah. uh, and, I've, and I've tipped it a few times on dips. Yep, I'd yep. love to say wait for the dip. Maybe if we get a big market correction, okay, it'll move back a mm. bit. But I'm just thinking it's sort of one of those stocks you've got to have a position. Okay, the banks. CBA is what ninety dollars yeah, now. 90, yeah, it got to ninety one dollars last week. Uh, look, it 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 reported well. I, I'm surprised it's up back at ninety one dollars. I'm not surprised about the movement upward in banks. Mm. I am surprised about CBA, mm. um, and I think that the trade is not to sell CBA, but the trade is to sell CBA to buy one of the other banks. Mm. So I'm not saying get out of banks. Market's been very bearish in banks. The interesting thing about banks, there's we've had three reports so far. We've had a a half-year report from CBA, a quarterly report from National Australia Bank, and a report today from uh, from Bendigo. Uh, despite all the doom and gloom, they actually each of those three banks' margin has improved just a touch mm. during the latest mm. period. So that's um, that's gone a little bit against some of the news that banks were going to get cruel when interest rates went lower. They've actually been able to pass on some of the pricing issues back to their customers. And maybe there's a shape, the shape of the yield curves um, improved a touch. And there's just a, a little bit of revenue growth in each of the three. Mm. So um, not much. So it's not as bad as it looks. Uh, and um, I think that um, the market, but market, all of the big funders got very out of banks. They're mm. sort of, mm, 
maybe have we missed it? You know? Okay, so what bank do you like, Paul? Well, look, I like Westpac because it's the contrarian, Peter. I yeah. think Westpac oh, is, I like West is Pac far too. too cheap. I reckon there's a lot of work to do at Westpac to yeah. get its house in order. Yeah. But uh, the trade for me is to sell C CBA by Westpac. I'm not an outright seller of CBA. No. I just think you're just a reallocation. Uh, I'm more on in terms of the mean reversion type strategy. Okay. Now, Telstra has a, a wonderful 12 months after a shocker of 12 months. But now this TPG uh, merger with Vodafone is Telstra a sell. Look, I mean, there's two schools of thought on this. Before the merger was approved, and this we've got one more leg to play out. So what's happened is that the federal courts overruled the ACCC and said, and, and will allow the merger between um, uh, TPG and Vodafone. So yeah. the number of carriers will effectively come down to three. And all three I've got will be three. Telstra, Optus, and sort of emerged TPG and Vodafone. It's not over yet because it still hasn't, the ACCC may look to take it to a full bench. So there still could be an appeal to the, yeah. the court. So let's assume the merger goes ahead. Before, six months ago, everyone was saying that the merger would be bad for competition, mm. right? The market seems to have turned its view, and this is the ACCC's argument, it said, look, this would be competition. You know, in fact, and so, um, sorry, a merger would be great for Telstra because there'd be one less competitor. Mm. The market seems to have changed its mind a little bit at this and actually sold Telstra off in the news yeah. on the basis, well, maybe, you know, Vodafone and the merged Vodafone TPG group is going to go a lot harder on 5G. Yeah, more muscle. More muscle. Mm. And that actually might actually eat into Telstra's inroads. So I'm a bit out. I mean, you've got to bear in mind the regulator, mm. a, the ACCC has been arguing this is bad for competition. Yeah. The market's saying, well, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. So, um, I think the market's right. I, well, I think if I was in t I don't, longer term, I'd rather have two competitors rather than three competitors if I was Telstra. So yeah, me too. Having a stronger competitor is not as good, but I mean, I'm not sure whether it is, is as bad yeah. as it seems. Well, says. David Teo at TVG said he wasn't going to do 5G. Now we'll have three 5Gers, which I, I think yeah. will mean more competition in that really important space going forward. Now, Paul, so just coming back to Telstra, yeah. the, look, there was some good news in the Telstra result, Peter. I mean, look, it's, it's pretty boring, Telstra, but mm. it, it did actually have its first positive EBITDA increase since 2016. And that's, that's adjusting something. for the impact of the NBN. So the first time it actually grew its profit, put the NBN to one side in three and a half years, right? Mm. Um, it still reckons it can actually find $500 million of, of, um, of extra earnings in the next 12 months. Now the problem for, t for Telstra is there's no revenue growth, right? Revenue's still going backwards. Mm. <laughs> and that's what Telstra needs to do. So I think, you know, the, the, the analysts actually have all got evaluations above $4, which is a bit of a surprise. Yeah. Market's sort of saying, look, Telstra's had its run. Look, I don't think it's going too far right one way or the other. I guess uh, the yield is okay. You know, maybe is the dividend under threat? It, well, the dividend is not under threat this year, but the dividend is, there are two components of the dividend. There's a five cents ordinary, mm -hmm. that's coming out of its underlying earnings. And there's a three cents special, it's giving a total of eight cents every half year. And that's coming off its NBN one-off receipts. Now at some point in time, the NBN one-off receipts stop. Mm. <laughs> and Telstra's got to generate enough in internal earnings out of 5G cutting maintain. costs to maintain that dividend. Mm, okay. Market still thinks it's okay, but it's not, the further cut's not totally off the agenda. So mm. I think Telstra, I don't know, it's, it's just Telstra, Peter. Okay. I can't get excited one way or the other. All right, post, well, in the middle of reporting season, is there a company that's now come on your radar screen which you think, gee, this is, this is, that's not bad, this is interesting? 
If not, save it for next week. Well, look, I'm not, not having been a huge fan of insurance, but I thought the QB result today was, was uh, kind of was a little bit better. They were a little yeah. more upbeat, and yeah. that I mean, QB was a fantastic company. Yeah. Did so many acquisitions, couldn't control its acquisitions. So it was a market darling going back what six, seven years ago for yeah. a decade. Became a market pariah the last three or four years. It's unwound all the mess of its acquisitions. Now seems to be heading back. Yeah. I mean, look, also these all these natural claims in Australia, that's actually ultimately good for insurance businesses. People get more cover, premiums go up. Go up yeah. You know, so I just don't mark off QB okay. as, as a company to Could actually look, look, look back again. And I was a bit impressed with that. This day. You might have to do some, some real do some hard work on Real hard work on, on QB. Next week. Okay, that's Paul Rickard from the Switzer Report. And if you want to see my story this week, it is actually about the top... 10 companies that have had an extraordinary year. Their percentage gains were quite extraordinary. Just go to the Switch Report, take out a free trial if you're not already a subscriber. I'm talking to Michael Blake, who's the head of Centurial Life, about a product called Life Goals. Mike, um, what is Life Goals? So Centuria Life Goals is a new product that we've put out in the last 12 months, which is a new approach to a traditional product known as an investment bond. Mm. Investment bonds have been around for many, many years, mm. and they've been offered by life companies and friendly societies. Mm. And uh, we've just recently put this product in the market as a new twist on the old product. We went out and spoke to the market and said, what is it about the older products you didn't like? Mm. And some of the feedback we got was, we want to see a better range of investment options. So we've done that with a new product where the Centuria Life Investment Committee has gone out and deliberately sought to find a best of breed investment managers in each asset class for people to choose from. The second thing people were looking for was more clarity around the fees. The traditional product had fees that were hidden away and we've made with this product, we've made it very clear and very concise disclosure. And probably the third thing is the education around how these products are used. So if you go to the website at Centuria Life Goals, there's a number of case studies that we've put in there of examples of how the investment will suit different people and solve different problems. Okay, so in a sense, you summarise, I could do it, but you should summarise the main things. As someone who's never heard of an investment bond before, yep. or life goals, what is the, the main crux of the product? Okay, so essentially it's the tax paid nature of the product. Mm. If you're an investor today and you're investing uh, on your marginal tax rate, you're going to be paying, if you're over $90,000, you're going to be paying tax at 37%. If you're over $180,000, you're going to be paying tax at 47%. Within the investment bond product, you pay tax at 30% on your earnings. By a company like a company. So obviously the less tax you're giving to the tax man, the more you're reinvesting, and over the longer term, the greater your returns. Mm. And this, but you have to stock the money away for 10 years. Yes, you do. With the way it works with the investment bond, your money is always accessible to you. You can get However, it out. You can always get it out, and um, that's one of the big benefits over superannuation, mm. where your money's locked away. Yeah. With the investment bond, you're taxed at 30%, and if you pull your money out in the first 10 years, you just pay the difference between that and your marginal tax rate. Yeah. So if your marginal tax rate's 47 up that little benefit yeah. of the, the, your tax rate minus 30%, that's the, the benefit you're saving, yeah. you pay it. Exactly. So you're no worse off than investing directly in your own name. Mm. But the benefit is, as you said, once you've been there 10 years, you can withdraw your money and you're paying no additional tax. So yeah. effectively, you're paying 30% tax all the way yeah. through. Now, old investment bonds or insurance bonds, people didn't really know how the money was being invested. You guys allow people to select certain types of investment and certain types of potential returns. Exactly. So the Centuria Life Investment Committee has sat down and put together a menu of investment options across multiple asset classes. So we have cash, 
fixed interest, we have Australian shares, international shares, we have balanced and growth options. Or different rates of return or different levels of risk. That's right. And then when you go into those different asset classes, you can choose from your investment manager. So if you go into Australian shares, for example, you can invest in Benelong, mm. who's been one of the best performing Australian managers over the last 10 years. Mm. You can go into Firetrail, um, you can go into Allianz Bernstein. And also in each asset class, we've got a Vanguard index option. Mm -hmm. So if you're a bit fee conscious or you don't think the managers can actually beat the index, you can go into a low cost Vanguard option and get the index returns across the full range of asset classes. Okay. Let's talk about what happens after the 10 year period and the money's still there, still rolling over. Mm -hmm. You can get your hands on it, or, or can you keep, keep letting it roll on? Yeah, you can keep rolling the investment as long as you like. There's yeah. no no there's no term. Um, in fact, there is a 40-year maximum term, but if you hit the 40-year term, we automatically roll it over for another year <laughs> if, if you don't advise us. So okay. you, you can invest in these things in perpetuity. And uh, as I said, after the 10 years, you've got your tax-paid nature. Yeah. And along the way, you can also switch investment classes and assets options as well. So if you're so, scared about the stock market, you go from a, a share-oriented one to maybe a, a cash or bond Exactly. And it's actually a feature that people don't really realise. If I'm investing in a managed fund in, say, an Australian share option, and I might have a fabulous year, I might make 30% return, yeah. and I think, wow, I've, I, I want to take a bit of profit now. When you sell down some of that investment, you're going to be paying a capital gains tax on it. Mm. Once you've invested in the Centurion Life Goals structure and you've got your 22 different investment options, you can switch with Neil CGT between any of the investment yeah. options. That's so, it. It. for example, we actually have a beta shares geared fund in there, which if the all odds goes up 1%, it goes up 2%. Mm. So if you feel particularly optimistic about the share market, mm. you might put some money into that investment option. It has a big run. You want to take some profits, you can go across to a normal share fund, a balanced fund or a cash fund. So it's a great tool to be able to manage your risk profile as you go through your investment yeah. years. And we should, we should, should throw mm. in if the market goes down 1%, it falls by 2%. Exactly. It goes both ways. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a good idea. Now, the people. Who do you think would definitely get a lot of value out of this. Yeah, essentially we say this product's good for you through your whole life cycle because mm. whether you're a saver in your 20 or 30s and you're saving for a house or whether you're a bit older and you want to save for your children's education mm. or maybe you're a bit older you want to save for retirement, you can really use the product throughout those different cycles. But essentially where we're seeing the most interest is in two areas. And one is with superannuation. Mm. And um, superannuation, investment bonds went off into the wilderness there for about 10 or 15 years and got forgotten about. Yeah. And one of the reasons was the flexibility that was introduced to superannuation. Yeah. Super was good. It was great. If you look at the late 80s, early 90s, when the Keating and the Labor government bought in the compulsory super, they also bought in the rollover so you could move your superannuation around. Before that, your superannuation really stayed where it was invested for your whole life. Yeah. But then we had self-managed super funds and they brought in transition to retirement where you could access your money at 55. And at one stage, they're encouraging people to put in a million dollars before 30th of June. Mm. Nowadays, of course, we've seen big changes. And in mid-2017, the government put in caps on contributions. They put caps on fund balances. You now can't access your superannuation until you're permanent retired um, at 60 or 65 years old if you're still working. So they made super go very flexible, and then they made it less flexible. And what people are now looking for is alternatives to superannuation. And superannuation is fabulous because you're taxed at 15%. But if you can't put any more into it, then the investment bond at 30% is your next best option to investing at your marginal tax rate. Okay, so, so people who've got money that is over the cap, 
Yep. Yeah, some people are looking at investment bonds as an alternative. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We're seeing some big slabs of money coming there. We also find people who've maybe been working overseas for a number of years yeah. and they come back to Australia and they might have two or three million dollars to invest if they've done well offshore. Mm. They can't just go and put that big lump of money into superannuation. So what do they where do they invest that money? Mm. Something like like golf life goals is very attractive. Mm. We also have people who might inherit money. You might be forty five years old, travelling along quite well, you inherit a lump sum of money, what are you going to do with it? You can't put it into superannuation again. You don't want attack invest it and pay it 47 percent so the investment bond is very attractive as that lump sum of money yeah. so as alternatives to superannuation whether it's having a, a supplementing superannuation yeah. or if you've capped out on your superannuation using it as an alternative okay now you've also found say some grandparents who want to put money aside for their grandchildren the investment bond works well for them too. Yeah, it's interesting. With the investment bond, because it's actually an invest, it's an insurance policy mm. and you can nominate a beneficiary. Mm. Now, the great thing about nominating a beneficiary to your investment is in the event of your passing, the money goes straight to the beneficiary. It doesn't go through the estate. Mm. So quite often grandparents or parents will use these things as a planning tool to make sure that in the event of their passing, the money will go to whom it is intended. Right. We're seeing more and more often in Australia today that things are very litigious mm. and people often have complicated families. Over half of people get divorced in Australia mm. today. And the bad news is if you've been married the second time, it goes to 70%. Mm. So when you've got very complicated families, estate planning can be very complicated and you want to avoid going through the courts and, and having these things challenged. So you simply take out an investment in your name, you nominate a beneficiary, be it your child or anyone you wish to leave the money to, and the money will go directly to them outside of the will. The other thing we've just recently introduced is a thing called a child plan, which is a separate feature. And with a child plan, it's actually an old endowment policy they're based off. And you can nominate a vesting age for the child. So you might have a grandchild who's five years of age, mm. If you pass away next year, then clearly you don't want your child getting the money when they're six. Mm. So you can nominate an age between 16 and 25 at which the money will go to them. So you might have three grandchildren. You will take out a child plan for each one of those children. You'll nominate that when they turn 18, they receive the money. Uh, and that way it will go as you're intended. Now, if you were to pass away, your executor will look after that money until the child hits that age and it'll be assured that the money goes through to them. So that's a quite a popular tool. And we quite often get grandparents taking out half a dozen investment bonds in different children's names. Okay, if people want to know more, Blakey, where do they go? Yeah, Centurion Life Goals website is a good place to go. Yeah. Uh, you can get our contact number on there and give us a call. And also you can go on there and look at a number of these different scenarios that we've identified for different pages, people at different stages of life. We're also introducing a calculator shortly, which will be available in the next couple of weeks. And you'll be able to go in there put in your earnings, put in your investment option, whether it's balanced or growth or Australian shares. It'll just do some forecasting based on some average historical returns to give a bit of an idea of how much you can save over what period of time. Okay, that's Michael Blake from Centuria talking about life goals.